Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me today. Uh, great show. My friend Sarah Higdon's going to be here. Um, I love my chats with her. It's been a while since she's been here, so I'm excited to have her back on the show. We will be bringing her in momentarily. Um, a couple quick things I just want to get through really quickly. Um, again, as always, I'm going to bring this up. Uh, Julian Assange, uh, the two court dates in February are the 20th and 21st in London. If you are in London, please make it there. If you are in the United States, we are asking that you please make some phone calls um, super easy. Only takes a couple minutes. In particular, call your House members. Um, there is a piece of bipartisan legislation aimed at seeing the charges against him dropped and the protection of press freedom. Um, so that is House Resolution 934. The Capitol switchboard number is 202-224-3121. Uh, you can call that number to get through to both your House rep and your senators. Um, so specifically call your House members because that is where the legislation lies. But also while you're at it, go ahead and call your senator. Um, and start poking them as well. It doesn't hurt. Um, and we can always use the support in the Senate, regardless of whether or not there's a piece of legislation there um, already or not. So I um, uh, just wanted to make sure we keep uh, reminding you to do that. We need as many phone calls as possible. Also, um, Caitlin Johnstone, you guys know I love her. I know I read her stuff here all the time. I can't help it. I love her. She has a fantastic piece out today. Um, I'm going to uh, try to read most of it, if not all of it. It is uh, not super lengthy, but it is fantastic. And I disagree with a couple nitpicky points in this. Um, but the overall uh, tone of the message, I certainly agree with. So uh, let's just dive right into it. She says, how is anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago, while ex exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment. If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done, and in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since day one. The genocide is being live-streamed. We can't say we didn't know. For as long as we live, we'll never be able to say we didn't know. Biden is everything people feared Trump would be, a genocidal monster facilitating racially motivated murder and ethnic cleansing while rapidly accelerating toward a nuclear age world war. Nothing Trump did was as evil as what Biden has been doing. Biden is the real Trump. Israel is a non is in a nonstop state of conflict largely because it is an artificial creation. Most states emerge in a more organic way out of the geographical, political, and cultural circumstances of the land and the people in their unique slice of space-time. Israel emerged because some people who didn't live anywhere near the land of Palestine got some narratives in their heads involving an ancient religion and its adherence and dropped a newly created country on top of a civilization that already existed there, which had emerged organically out of the circumstances of the region. People came in from other nations all over the world, resurrected a dead language, which had until then 
only remained used in religious rituals and called it their native tongue and slapped together a 20th century nation and started LARPing that it was their native land. This caused massive shockwaves throughout the region because it didn't happen in accordance with the organic geopolitical and cultural circumstances of the land and its people. It was an alien artificial construct from top to bottom thrust upon a region for which it had no natural context or recipivity. Uh, because it was such an unnatural foreign imposition, the political circumstances of the Middle East has ever since been rejecting it like a body rejecting an ill-matched organ transplant. This natural response is treated as an unnatural, unprovoked hostility from the people of the invading artificial construct, which invents more narratives to justify its violent actions against the inhabitants of the region. The West's cultural obsession with World War II has made everyone dumber because now everyone we want to fight is always Hitler, and we're always the brave good guys who are fighting Hitler. Nothing about Israel's U.S.-backed assault on Gaza is comparable to the Allied offensive against Nazi Germany. They're raining military explosives onto a trapped and besieged population in a giant concentration camp with a stated goal, stated goal, of eliminating a small militant group who poses exactly zero existential threat to the state of Israel in response to an attack which was 100% provoked by the abuses of the apartheid Israeli regime. Comparing the Gaza assault to the war against Hitler is like comparing a mass shooting to the war against Hitler and saying the shooter is the Allied forces. It is a completely foam brain talking point that's espoused solely by idiots and warmongers. It's not too late to get involved in opposing Israel's assault on Gaza. It doesn't matter if you haven't been talking about it until now. It doesn't matter if you haven't understood or paid attention to the Israel-Palestine issue before. It doesn't matter if you've been supportive of Israel in the past or if you've expressed opinions on this subject that you now know were misguided or if you've ever if you've never engaged in any kind of activism before. If that's the case for you, you need to understand that millions of people are on the exact same boat as you right now. Millions. The actions of the state of Israel over the last three months have caused huge numbers of people not previously aware of its depravity to open their eyes to what's going on, do some research, and change their position. And she goes on, I wish I could continue, but I I, I don't want to take up too much of Adam's time. Um, but the overall message here is that um, you, it's not too late to speak up. It is not too late to recognize that even if you were previously supportive of Israel, um, it's not too late to say, hey, I got this wrong um, and I cannot stand by and support what's happening now. Uh, we are witnessing literally a genocide taking place on the world stage in broad daylight um, and how you, where you stand on this issue um, is... <laughs> really significant to who you are as a person. So um, uh, uh, please go and read the rest of Caitlin's piece. She is fantastic as always. And I, I mean, the uh, one of the key pieces here that I, and I, I think I kind of did a good job of, um, you know, highlighting it was Biden is everything people feared Trump would be. They fear mongered about who Trump was going to be. Turns out that was Biden all along. So, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on Twitter, on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. Write up for the guest of the day every day so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live. Guest idea, show idea, whatever it is, hit me up. Um, and also, if you have a possible guest idea in general for TNT Radio that you would like to see us talk to, um, or perhaps you have a topic you feel we should be discussing, we want to hear from you. Just There's a suggestion form on the TNT website, which is tntradio.live. Um, and just fill that out and you can help us make a difference right here on today's News Talk. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This story 
is absolutely insane. A group of Hasidic Jewish worshipers have been arrested after a brawl broke out between New York City police and those trying to defend a secret tunnel inside a historic Brooklyn synagogue. I don't... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, Adam's going to tell us. What the heck? Here with this story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. My friend, there are tunnels underneath synagogues in New York. What the heck is going on? I We need to tread lightly with this one, apparently. Um, yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, so you've seen the footage. I'm sure a lot of people have. I mean, it's it's this went like mega viral is an understatement. Um, <laughs> this is at this is the Chabad Lubavitch uh, World Headquarters, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm saying this right. This is the historic synagogue in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and yeah, there were a bunch of rather angry young Hasidic Jews, uh, young men. Uh, they tried to stop construction workers and police from who were trying to use a cement truck to to fill in this illegal so-called secret underground tunnel, a network, if you can believe it from what I'm hearing. Um, apparently, they the Jews had dug this tunnel uh, underneath uh, about six months ago uh, to <laughs> reportedly uh, expand the synagogue and reach a nearby women's ritual bath. I'm like, what is this about? The spokesperson for Chabad, Mo Modi Seg uh, names, Segelson, said that a, quote, group of extremist students, end quote, so they're extremists, dug the tunnel in an attempt to expand it to a row of nearby office buildings. No mention of any ritual baths. I'm, I'm not sure. This is so strange. Uh, but the police said they nine of them were arrested after the riot uh, because they started fighting. You can see in the video uh, furniture being thrown around, literally, literally furniture being thrown around, uh, them trying to tear down walls, break through walls, tear down beams. People were shoving the cops before one officer uh, started to use uh, like mace or some sort of irritant spray on the group. Uh, the nine men I'd seen some reports of 10, but I think it's nine. They were charged with criminal mischief and reckless endangerment. Uh, they were all between the ages of 19 and 21 years old. Um, so they're, it's interesting. The religious organization released a statement thanking the NYPD and blaming, quote unquote, agitators for the tunnel. Uh, quoting from the statement, quote, the Chabad Lubavitch community is pained by the vandalism of a group of young agitators who damaged the synagogue below Chabad headquarters at 770 the Eastern Parkway on Monday night. These odious actions will be investigated and the sanctity of the synagogue will be restored. Our thanks to the NYPD for their professionalism and sensitivity. We are grateful for the outpouring of concern and for the support of our Chabad Lubavitch institutions around the world, end quote. Uh, the, a spokesperson for the New York City Fire Department said that the tunnel was not detected by a fire prevention team when they inspected the synagogue on December of 20th. Um, and I guess there's some court battle that's been dragging on, arguing about property rights or whatever. But again, this doesn't explain this ritual bath thing. So, of course, what happened, Misty, is apparently the news of all this uh, led to a bunch of weird viral memes. And then this happened. Rolling Stone stepped in and had to do the Rolling Stone thing. Uh, and I'm going to quote just a piece uh, from uh, just a little bit from their hit piece they had to release in response to this. Uh, so, you know, it's bad when Rolling Stone has to come out and say something right. So their comment about it includes, quote, but it also sparked an onslaught of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories with some well-known far-right personalities suggesting the tunnels were being used for nefarious 
trafficking purchases purposes, excuse me, playing into notorious anti-Jewish tropes or drawing comparisons to tunnels made by the terrorist group Hamas, referring to them as Jewish tunnels or Zionist tunnels. Uh, furthermore, one influencer wrote, according to Rolling Stone, quote, secret underground tunnels, blood-soaked mattresses, baby strollers, getting real strong Simon of Trent vibes here, end quote, referring to a dangerous anti-Semitic blood libel conspiracy theory from the Middle Ages involving the murder of a Christian child that resulted in 15 members of the Jewish community being burned at the stake, ending from the the article of Rolling Stone. I think you get the point. So now X is probably going to get in trouble again, Misty. And uh, here we go with all this stuff again, again. And I and I still don't understand any of it, just like you. I don't get it. So I'm playing it safe. Yeah, I don't. Yes, and I agree. I don't get any of this. And listen, I understand that um, the the internet can be a very sensationalist place. I don't think it serves anybody to start. Although, to be fair, some of the memes have been kind of funny, not going to lie. Um, but I think it doesn't serve anybody to um, start jumping to conclusions. There's, I mean, I've heard people say that the tunnels were connected to a children's museum and that the tunnel, blah, 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 all of this stuff. Um, uh, apparently, there has been a battle between two different sects of the Chapad Hasidic movement uh, uh hasidic movement for like 30 years now so this may have something to do with it uh, the larger of the two had banned certain leaders from entering into the complex whatever the, the reality is we don't know we we don't have all of the story yet i get that it's um you know we see this video go go viral where you know there's this fight breaking out in a synagogue and there's tunnels and they're bringing out all this crazy stuff from underneath i mean there was one i think the one that started the uh the child trafficking thing was the the uh, mattress that was pulled out everybody was like oh my god look at that and it's people are just jumping to conclusions which is always dangerous i mean it it, it doesn't again it doesn't serve anybody to just start jumping to conclusions to pretend you have the story or all of the answers. So it's definitely weird. This is a definitely a very strange story. When this first came out, I was like, I, I still, and I still don't really have words. I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? Um, I do know that the Chabad has um, some fairly nefarious connections with various world leaders and things like that. But again, that's something that uh, in due time, I think more information will come out. I think in due time, we can, uh, I'm sure there will be numerous investigations into this um, by uh, the authorities and journalists alike. And so I think everybody just needs to take a breath. I mean, it, making funny memes is one thing, but, uh, you know, starting to point fingers and uh, claiming that there's some crazy child sex trafficking ring in the tunnels underneath of Brooklyn or wherever it happened, that just, it's not helpful. Um, it, it's just really not helpful. And that always happens. I guess I'm really like preaching to a brick wall here. People are going to do that. That's going to happen. Every time there's a story like this or anytime there is some kind of story that there is um, vagaries, I think people will fill in the blanks. I think that's just human nature, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I do think that the in due time, we'll get more information about it. But I don't know, Adam, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a weird one, right? Yep. And and like clockwork, some sort of stalwart mainstream media defender will will come out with a piece yeah. like this one that we were talking about from the Rolling Stone, which is funny because it's usually the Rolling Stone. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're they're quick to do that. So way to go, Rolling Stone. You you do you keep doing you and we'll keep doing us. Happy birthday, Never to change. TNG, by the way. Two years over here, everybody. That's awesome. Today? Really? 
Yeah. Oh, we, uh, I, my birthday's in two days. So we're very close, TNT. I like that. We're both Capricorns. I enjoy that very much. I'm not really into the Zodiac stuff. I just had somebody tell me I'm a Capricorn. So that's, I'm a Capricorn. Um, so it's TNT, I would imagine. Uh, cool. Happy birthday, TNT. That's very exciting. How cool is that? Um, okay. Adam, thanks for bringing us a story. We will talk to you again tomorrow as always. And hang tight. We're going to be right back right here on today's news talk. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. All right, our guest today is Sarah Higdon. Sarah is the digital marketing director for the group Free the People. Uh, she also hosts her own show over on YouTube, uh, where she covers mostly trans issues and her work on protecting kids and women's sports. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Sarah Higdon underscore. Uh, and then in her bio there, you can also find a link that sends you to uh, all of the other various platforms where you can follow her and support her work. Uh, so Sarah, thanks for coming back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's been a little bit. I know. I I saw uh, one of your tweets popped up on my feed, and I'm like, man, it has been forever since I have talked to Sarah. I'm going to get her scheduled. So thank you for coming back on the yeah, show. Yeah, now you guys have that. video, so it's. I know. We're all grown up. <laughs> We're all grown up, Sarah. Um, okay. So first of all, I, I just want to mention too, uh, I, I probably should have put this in the bio, but Sarah recently, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, did, did two excellent episodes. One was very chaotic, um, but two excellent episodes of Jubilee. If you're not familiar with that, they um, uh, tend to bring two opposing sides of an issue on uh, to a show and then they call it middle ground and they kind of try to hash it out and find like a common ground. And both were on. One was on, uh, one was 
trans conservatives versus trans liberals. You were representing the trans conservative sides. That one was the one that was a little crazy. Um, and then the other one was Jubilee undecided should minors transition. And you were both uh, on uh, great on both of them. Uh, <laughs> one of them definitely went viral for sure. Um, so you everybody go check that out as yeah. well. They're both really fantastic episodes. Um, did, did, did you want to talk about that, that at all? Um, <laughs> No, I, I mean, imagine uh, that a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, trans people arguing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was intense. fun. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think... when you have strong personalities, because um, it was I mean, me and Blair White and then some just crazy leftist, then that's what you're going to get. Yeah, I think the winner of that episode was your facial expressions, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> because that's you you very it was very uh, it was very difficult for anybody other than Blair or Blossom to have a chance to speak at all um but I was watching you because I know you and so I was watching you and your facial expressions especially the uh don't interrupt a black trans woman your facial expressions <laughs> was amazing yes it was great I need a screenshot of it it's fantastic so yeah we don't yeah, have to get I into ha it I have it's a gif like a of whole... it oh do you <laughs> I, I do. It. I have the gif of it me going like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it is. It, it, but I was able to use those two kind of to my advantage because the director would stop so often. And when they would stop, I would be able to be like, hey, can I respond to that real quick? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, you haven't. It's been this fighting. So let's try to get some other people talking. And so I would be able to jump in and make a lot of sense, I guess, you know, and, and drop backs that I just kind of have all over my brain right now. <laughs> yeah, no. And what was so frustrating about it for me is they did the military prompt. Um, you served in the military and they didn't really let you speak. And I'm like, let her speak. Let yeah. the veteran. She's a veteran. What? Like Blossom jumps in and starts yeah. talking. I'm like, shit, stop Sh talking. <laughs> Oh, it was well, so if, you, and if you notice about that one too, I was trying to tell Shane before he made a fool of himself. I was trying to tell him that nobody got kicked out of the military for transitioning. And that's what they were talking about. I'm like, but, 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 and, and yeah, it was, it, that was frustrating. But if you notice at the end, I was able to just like, I wiped away everything that was said because the last word was me saying, discrediting everything that they had said. So it was perfect. Yeah, it was just that was a really frustrating and I mean, Jubilee, uh, I haven't watched a ton of them. Um, I generally only watch when it's something that I'm super interested in or when somebody I know happens to be going on um, and they're OK. Like, I think that they uh, can offer a valuable platform for those kinds of conversations to happen if you have the right people. I think it really depends because uh, the, the other one, yeah. uh, 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 the other one that you did, the undecided one that should minors transition. There was somebody on your team who was awful um and was just really <laughs> counterproductive and so i think that it really depends on the casting of who they decide to have on if it's going to be an actually um substantive and beneficial conversation but i think that there's no yeah. question the trans conservatives versus trans liberals um like i don't even I, I don't even know how if if you are a liberal on that issue how you could watch that and think that the liberal side won that debate that was embarrassing it was embarrassing yeah that's what the comments kind of said too. It was very much like how how like I'm a, a lot of people were saying I'm a liberal, but I agree with conservatives. So I guess I'm conservative now type people. Um, I mean I'm a libertarian. I'm a right leaning libertarian. So it, it but 
I always get placed in that camp, right? Um, and so, yeah, it was interesting because that was probably one of the most heated discussions I've ever seen. And even talking to the camera people and everything, they're like, that was crazy. Like that, like that's yeah. not <laughs> like that's one of the most extreme episodes we've seen happen, other than when they had like police and ex-cons in the same room. They had to have like security and stuff there. But that was that was a little bit different. Yeah. And then the second episode, it was very calm, easy going. But yeah, the one person on my side is also somebody that hate stalks me online. So yeah. that was awkward. <laughs> yeah, that is a little weird. That is definitely a little weird. But yeah, I mean, the uh, I think that that's what that's what I mean about the casting thing, because the first one, um, if you put two people like Blair and Blossom in the same room, they're going to su and this is no disrespect to either one of them. I've not met or spoken to either of them. But if you put two two people like that in the same room, there is going to be no more oxygen left for anyone else. Yeah. And it, maybe that's the what they were going for. Obviously, they were hoping to get clicks. They were probably hoping for a little bit of controversy uh, that, that gets you know ratings and all of that stuff for their show. But um, I, it just it, it just made it so it was it was almost like just difficult to watch because it was so just yeah. shouting. You couldn't hear anybody. Yeah. It was like nobody's. Uh, I can't hear anything anybody is saying. It's just Blossom and Blair yelling at each other. That's it. You know what I mean? Yep. So, and the yeah. only and the, and the only prompt that they they put behind the paywall on Patreon was the one where most people got along and agreed. You know, it of course, was, it was funny. But yeah, I mean, you, they, you're gonna have you you want somebody like Blair White because actually Jubilee's. Um, I've been noticing their numbers have been going down. They used to get like ten like five five to ten million views on these on these episodes and now they're getting i mean our episode was that pr well promoted and it'll, and it's not even at three million yet so their their views have just been dropping like crazy so they are probably trying anything they can to spice it up a little bit yeah which i get i mean that's the name of the game i understand that's the you, you kind of have to play that but it's just it's unfortunate because i feel like that could be a um, a really, and it has been in the past, there's been certain ones. And again, I haven't watched a ton of them, but there have been ones in the past that have been really interesting and where I, it's been very thought provoking. And I've heard things that I haven't thought of mm -hmm. in a way that I haven't thought of them before. And I think that that's super, it could be super helpful. I just feel like maybe they're losing their way a little bit and it's becoming more about drama than it is about substance, which happens all the time. So, but there you have it. Okay. <laughs> we have to take a quick break. We're going to get some headlines. And then I want to talk to you about moving into 2024, the work that you're doing. Um, I feel like there's so much going on. It's almost impossible to uh, to touch on all of it. So hang tight. We're going to be right back yeah. here on today's news talk. Okay, everybody, listen up. Big news. Big news. For real big news. Here we go. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. ABC News recently reported a 30% increase in the number of critically injured Ukrainian soldiers arriving at frontline medical facilities, with many facing life-altering injuries. Dmitry Medvedev, the deputy head of Russia's Security Council, has speculated that the recent widespread protests by German farmers could threaten the stability of Chancellor Olaf Scholz's government. Germany is currently facing significant transportation challenges due to a large-scale strike by train drivers. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. All right.
right. We're here with my friend, Sarah Higdon, who does incredible work on trans issues. Um, uh, I mean, really, especially about um, protecting kids from medicalization, which I think is, in my opinion, probably the most important subject and topic in the tra- under the trans. I don't know if you call it an umbrella, um, but one of the most significant uh, kind of aspects of that, uh, that conversation and debate. Um, but I actually want to talk to you about first um, women's sports, because I feel like that's a little bit easier of a conversation. And this one, and we've talked about this before. This one I'm still very conflicted about because I am a woman, a biological woman. I am an athlete, have been my whole life. Um, And so on one hand, I don't want anybody to be denied the right or the ability or the capacity to be able to participate in sports. I love sports. I think sports are good for pretty much everybody. I think it's um, a great way to stay active. It's a great way to learn teamwork and all of that good stuff, right? Um, But I also, it's really difficult to watch biological males who, as you have taught me, have a very clear uh, benefit and uh, upper hand when it comes to just your biology, especially if you're somebody who's gone through male puberty, Um, coming into women's competition and dominating and taking away opportunities and accolades from women and girls, that sucks. Like that sucks. So where do you see this, this aspect of the trans conversation going in 2024? Yeah, so I think actually it's interesting because we talk about legislation and stuff like that that I've worked on. This is one of the focuses that I want to push a little bit more, a little bit harder this year is to focus on um, stopping that, Uh, stopping males from competing in female sports. Because like you said, it's very much, um, it's unfair. You have males who were maybe mediocre in the male division coming in and taking scholarships they're taking um you know opportunities that are designed in title nine were originally set aside to make sure that you know that there was the equal opportunity for advancement through scholarships and sports and so now you're having males now take that too it kind of goes in the face of title nine right and so also the the uh, we've now seen in the past year we've seen multiple you know, young girls injured by male athletes, like a couple girls getting concussions, playing volleyball, getting hit in the head with a volleyball. Um, there, there's just a lot of issues that, that that comes into play when you put a male against a female. Um, and at the same time, like you said, I, the thing is, nobody's actually being denied the opportunity to participate in sports. Everything is kind of like we participate with our sex it doesn't matter how long you've transitioned i mean obviously i i go to the gym all the time and it doesn't matter how long you've been on hormones i've been on hormones for coming up on what five years now and i still can see a clear biological advantage um every every day when i'm in the gym so and i've kind of been i have this thing i started doing uh kind of at the end of last year i kind of fell off because i was traveling a lot this past uh couple months but I was going to break the the female raw squat record, not actually break it in competition, but break it. I've never done like competitive squats. I've never really even squatted like heavy weight in the gym. But what's interesting is it took me about three months um, of just focusing on that to where I would have won a competition against yeah. females. And again, I've been on hormones for five years. And it's just, it's, it's absolutely clear that 
as an athlete myself who grew up an athlete and was in the army and everything like that, I can just step into a new sport and then within a few months win competitions. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no. And that's, I love that you were doing that too. Obviously I lift weights. Um, and, uh, when I saw that you were doing that, I thought that this is a perfect little experiment to show that, um, uh, somebody who's been on hormones for years, because that's always the, uh, the line that they sell is that, oh, well, once you're on, um, you know, estrogen for so long, it starts to break down any benefit that you may have all of that stuff, which, I mean, I was willing to at least examine that, but it doesn't look like the science backs that up. And as you just no. said, you've never really lifted. I mean, like, I mean, obviously you go to the gym and things like that, but not lifted competitively. You've never really done like heavy squats, anything like that. And within just a few months, you were able to, uh, you know, break the, the women's record. And that's, I think that that just yeah. shows. And again, that's just, um, you know, a, a one-off that's just you doing it as a little side experiment. But I think that that's indicative of the, the broader problem. I think that that's probably the case across the board. And I think that the science is really kind of showing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been several studies that have come out um, that have shown that, yeah, there's no no way that you can actually erase that biological advantage fully. Um, but I mean, it, it should be pretty obvious to most. I mean, especially different sports, you see stuff, but like even in like skateboarding and stuff like that, just the way that the hips and bones are designed makes yeah. for it makes it different. You can't you don't change your hip shape. You don't. Sh you know, you can't change your skeletal structure shape. So those are advantages that you're actually born with. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, because, uh, I mean, obviously there are different hip, uh, when you're born a woman, you have to be born with hips that are capable of bearing children. That's a whole different setup. It's a whole different, your body is uh, designed to function differently. And that's just, I don't think that that's yeah. talked about enough. I think that it's so, it's been turned into this like emotional lightning rod and they just want to use it as, um, um, a, a divisionary tactic, I feel like. And I feel like that's a lot of the trans issues, um, are used for that purpose and that purpose only. I don't think a lot of the people who are even invested in the battle care all that much. Um, it feels as if it's no. being used as a political football. It's kind of gross to me because these are legitimate issues that we need to have grown up conversations about and work through and figure out. It's not something that's going away. It's not an issue that's going to disappear tomorrow. Um, and it just, it's very frustrating yeah. to me. I'm sure it's unbelievably frustrating for you. Well, um, yeah. None of, none of it's actually, none of it's actually popular. That's that's yeah. that's the frustrating part is because I mean, um, so one of the things I, I am a writer for the post millennial and human events. And so I, I do see all the polls and stuff coming out. And I took back in maybe July, August, there was a poll. It was a Harvard Harris poll. And it showed that 68 percent of Democrats are against transitioning children. Um, and whereas like 11 percent of Republicans are actually OK with it. Um, and so like 75% of the overall population is against that. Yeah. Same with sports. It's something like 75% of the population is against males competing in female sports. It, it, these aren't popular ideas. And somehow they've become, like you said, this political football that gets kicked back and forth. And like you, I, I think it's really just there to sow more division Yes. And, and and distract. It's there to distract because a lot of yes. times when 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 these things flare up, you you got to look somewhere else and usually somewhere in Washington to see what they're doing over there because they're usually using these things to distract everybody to fight among meaningless things. Yeah, it goes with even like pr the pronoun debate. I've heard people say this before too, using like somebody you know misgendering somebody on purpose. 
because they know that annoys the person and then the conversation will dive into that person wanting to fight about pronouns whereas then we can actually do the real work over here while they're worrying about you know what pronouns we're using for them yeah. And so that that's that's a tactic that people on the right use as well. So there's it's it's a big strategy game when you when you talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, it's very frustrating, too, because you're right. And I've been saying this for years that on war and Wall Street, there's one party. They use all everything else to keep us distracted and divided. Um, and I think that this is one of those issues. It's one because it's emotionally driven and because people do get all up in their feels about it. Um, I think that it's so easy to use for those nefarious purposes and to distract us away from other things that not to say that. Listen, I'm not trying to diminish the um, uh, the credibility or the importance of having these conversations. I, I want to have these conversations in a grown-up, nuanced, and responsible way. Um, but the way that it's being handled now publicly, that they've made it impossible to do that. And I want to talk about um, uh, the medicalization of children, because to me, I feel like that's the much bigger issue. We have to take a quick break, though. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution, and we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit, and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here with Sarah Higdon, and we are talking about her uh, incredible work that she's been doing for many years on uh, trans issues. And I, as I mentioned, I wanted to switch gears and talk about the medicalization of kids, because this one is one where my opinion is, um, I'm definitely not conflicted here. I am definitely not conflicted here. Yeah. Uh, the idea that kids, children, are being sent down a path of medical transition before their brains are even fully developed, before their ability to recognize consequences of their actions is fully developed, before they are even capable of consent, blows my mind, Sarah. It blows my mind. And the idea that there are people out there who wholeheartedly support that endeavor, um, I don't I don't know what to make of that. And I feel like this, is, this also needs to be a nuanced conversation because I feel like um, a lot of hate is put towards parents and I feel like that's misdirected. I feel like parents are also um, being victimized in some ways by being yeah. uh, confused. And obviously that's a very, I mean, I'm a parent. I can't imagine trying to deal with that situation with one of my kids. Um, and I just, I, so I feel like this also needs to be a nuanced conversation. But kids, Sarah, they are 
obviously, you know, I don't know why I'm telling you, but they are, this is, <laughs> this is life altering. They, you can't go, you really cannot, you cannot go back. There is no, I mean, I know they called them yeah. detransitioners. There is no such thing. You cannot detransition, yeah. right? Yeah, there's absolutely no way you can't get those, like, especially, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always permanent side effects that happen once you've started to transition. So, especially when you go really down the, the road of medical transitions. I mean, a lot of people are trying to claim that puberty blockers are even fully reversible when we're, they really aren't. Um, the medical, but like you said, I think parents absolutely do get, I think there's multiple types of parents out there. Like it's, it's, yeah. it is a very nuanced conversation. I, I think that there's, there are the parents who, are kind of put into a impossible situation. Their kids are, I mean, they would do anything for their kids. And so when they're being told by the medical community that you can either have a dead child or a trans child, what are they, what are they supposed to do? Right. Um, and so this is why the biggest fight is with the medical community um, that we have. And I, I don't know, yeah, because I, I don't know how anybody can think that it's okay to medicalize a child. And it's not even just before their brains are fully developed. This is even before the age of consent. Like, they can't consent yeah. to this type of stuff. Like, we have age of consent laws for reasons. And then we're, we're, we're allowing them to do, you know, permanent, you know, damage to their bodies. We, I mean... Chloe Cole. So Chloe Cole is a detransitioner who's a friend of mine. She got a double mastectomy at 15 years old. Yeah. I mean, how how is that okay? That's not even, you know, that that's not even the age of consent in any state. Um, and it was interesting when we were when we were pushing the bill here in Georgia, one of the points that I was making to legislators was in the state of Georgia, because some states are different, but in the state of Georgia, you cannot get a tattoo even with parental permission under the age of 18. In some states, you can all the way down to maybe 15, you can get with parental yeah. permission. But even tattoos are removable. It's long and painful, and but they can be removed. And so you're talking about sterilization of children um, that can't, con I mean, they obviously can't consent to that. And, and, and that it's worse, I think, on the female body than it is the, the male body um, because... Once the voice deepens, once, um, you know, you have your breasts removed, once you start taking testosterone, things start happening in your ovaries and, and you don't know how that's going to affect even if you do detransition. So the, all this stuff is permanent. And then we don't even know the psychological effects that, that, that stopping the brain from developing with puberty blockers has. Yeah. The FDA has not approved these for use. And so what people need to understand is, any child that's on on puberty blockers is part of a massive experiment. It, it really is just this massive experiment that they are unknowingly consenting to. Yeah. And that's terrifying. The idea that these kids, you're right, it is just this giant experiment. And it's um, an experiment for profit. Let's not kid ourselves about it. A lot of money is being made mm -hmm. off of this. A lot of money. And then not only is a lot of money being made off the initial transition, you are then creating lifelong customers for the pharmaceutical industry. The you th That's it. You are a lifelong customer. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a whole other aspect that I don't think people are considering. But again, the idea, like you just said, Chloe Cole had a double mastectomy at 15. Sarah, 
Sarah, at 15 years old, I didn't, I, I, I'm, I had no idea what was going on in my life. I was clueless. I was a hot mess. I was a disaster of a child. I was running around making all kinds of bad decisions. Um, there is absolutely no way somebody at the age of 15 years old should be making a decision to have their healthy breasts removed. And I've, I know Chloe's story. I've uh, seen yeah. her speak many times and it breaks my heart. I mean, I've, I, I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole of of looking into all of these detransitioners. Um, Shapeshifters, another one that I got. I think I actually got familiar with Shapeshifter through uh, something that you did, maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's me and Shapes know each other. Yeah, it's a mind blowing. It's mind blowing to me that um, you know, as you said, to get a tattoo, to drink a beer, you have to be twenty one mm -hmm. years old in most states. But you can go and yeah. have life-altering surgeries and take all kinds of medications and it, it it's it's it blows my mind it blows now I, I don't i'm not opposed at all to social transition if you nope. um want to be called a different name or by different pronouns or if you want to dress a certain way i think by all means kids at that age i mean i have young kids my, my kids are 15 and 13 and they are figuring themselves out they're trying out different clothes and fashion and style and music and all of that stuff go for it experiment figure out who you are that's part of the beauty of childhood and growing up but to make permanent life altering medical decisions at the age of you know 13 14 15 16 it, i don't understand do you I, I watched a recent video of yours and you said you felt like you were winning this battle that this was kind of something that um a, a lot of people and as you said earlier this is not a popular thing but it seems as if it's um uh, it's like a runaway train it, it, do you think that we're that yeah. you're winning on this front I do. Um, and to, to, to kind of jump back to what you said, though, too, um, I do want to mention one of the most egregious things with this is that um, it's a lot of what's being missed are other comorbidities and and the yeah. therapists are, and, and doctors are just kind of pushing this as the, as this is the solution without even doing any real digging. Uh, but more more about that. I mean, I just wrote a, a, a uh, an op ed in human events discussing that going down the rabbit hole of how one third of all the patients that come in that they see are autistic um and so it could be some sort of eugenics against autistic people yeah. um as well as um another friend of mine um uh, one of the detransitioners that i know i mentioned her because she had you know borderline personality disorder had multiple comorbidities and they just said and she was a cutter and it was like she felt the doctors just assisted her in the self-harm that she was doing um but i do think that we are winning and the reason why i say this is because there was some stories that came out um over the christmas uh break time frame that showed that states like um it's medical malpractice insurance companies are denying coverage for these procedures because of the lawsuits from people like Chloe Cole um, and Prisha Mosley and all the others that are that are coming out. Those lawsuits are making them timid to even want to cover this. And so that is how I, I've, I've kind of always said that legislation's great, um, which I don't know if a lot of this legislation is going to hold up to 14th Amendment um considerations but we still we need to pass them 
And then, um, but the lawsuits are what's really going to stop this, especially in places like California and all these other blue states where they're passing laws to kind of protect this type of stuff. And so it really is showing that doctor, it's taking away that medical incentive. It's taking away that money incentive, because if you're afraid you're going to get sued, then you're not going to want to do it. And so this is just kind of the first steps that we're seeing. Um, Other Also, I mean, we also have seen multiple states ban this i mean i've worked i worked on legislation here in georgia that we got this done we didn't get puberty blockers in the bill but i'm helping get a primary challenge on the republican who blocked that along with we passed it in louisiana again louisiana had to override the veto there and then literally maybe an hour before we came on the uh, on the show Ohio overrid that Republican governor's veto of the same legislation, which yeah. also banned, um, which also bans males from competing in female sports in Ohio. So it was a it was a twofer there. Yep. Yeah, I'm in Ohio. I was actually going to ask you about that because uh, that just came out. Um, uh, yeah, G- Governor DeWine is uh, <laughs> he's not very popular right now with anybody, really. But then uh, the conservatives are which he is one uh, are very unhappy with him uh, on on yeah. that issue. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that plays it out. But yeah, I, it, yeah, yeah, um, but well, yeah. 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 I mean, think uh, about think about Asa Hutchinson. Asa Hutchinson yeah. ran for president, but lost his governor's seat in Arkansas because he vetoed similar legislation. And I actually asked him about that per- at a at a town hall a couple of weeks ago, which was which was fun. I, it's on video on my Twitter. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But that's yeah, it's uh, and I do think that, as you said, I think that most people, um, generally speaking, are against this and they recognize the I mean, the ridiculousness of this whole concept of, uh, you know, kids being able to make these kinds of life altering decisions, or really it's parents making these decisions for their kids because um, uh, their parents are allowing for it to go through. And that's, um, it really does fall on the parents at that point. It's your responsibility to guide your kids. Um, And what I, and I think I so great what you just said, because I think that so often what's not being talked about are the underlying issues that are going on. There's obviously some mental illness issues. There's obviously some sort of, um, uh, uh, I don't even, I don't, I, I don't know what it would be like to, um, experience dysphoria. I've never experienced this. I can't, I, I can't imagine how, um, the, how just desperate that must feel. Um, but it needs to be, that needs to be addressed. You can't just throw a, you know, a scalpel and some pills at it and call it a day. It needs to, and it's just, it's a very bizarre thing to me that that conversation isn't being had more. And I, I'm, I, I even worry that, as you say, um, a lot of these states are, uh, the medical malpractice stuff and all of that stuff is, um, you know, going to end up going away. But even if that happens, we're still not addressing the issues. <laughs> you know what I mean, we're still not addressing these kids and the issues <laughs> yeah. that they're having. And that's what I worry about is there's a lot of kids out there who are, um, in very desperate situations, um, who are, feeling hopeless and uh, helpless and um and that's I, I i don't want that for anyone and so what do you what yeah. do you think needs to happen for those issues to be addressed on a, in a on a real level on a real substantive level where we can start getting help to these kids that they obviously need well that's one of the things and i think this is just kind of the overall state of our medical industry as a whole because in in the second and part of my op-ed as well i talked a little bit about ssri use Here's the thing is we see, I, I, I kind of talk about 
three different types of doctors. There's the ones who think that they're doing what is absolutely right. They're listening to the professional organizations, which they were taught to do in school. And, and they really think that they are saving lives because they do think that, you know, suicide is basically imminent if they don't give children these medication. Then you have those who, you know, they 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 they're doing it for money they're just gonna they're out there they're like hey i don't i'm not really too worried about it i'm gonna do it for money and then you have those that i don't know what it is i don't know if it's incompetence or or what but they are they're not actually or, or laziness i kind of call it a little bit of laziness too because all they're kind of doing is throwing pills at the problem whether it's a mm-hmm. gender transition whether it's depression anxiety or other mental health issues all we're seeing happen is either you're going on HRT and then possibly going on, you know, SSRIs for the other for other stuff, but then or they're just throwing SSRIs on people. And this is kind of what they've done for a very long time, because now we're also seeing the same issues with birth control. Birth control is now being shown to have massive adverse effects that they didn't think to you know study and everything like that. Yeah. The good news in all that, the kind of the white pill in this is even though the medical organizations are still saying that it's, you know, everything's, you know, puberty blockers themselves are fully reversible, right? The University of Wisconsin, Madison, just got like a $500,000 grant to study whether they were actually, like what they actually do to the brain. Well, they're also part of the reason why that they are being, the American Pediatrics Association is is saying that they're fully reversible. So they're actually saying it, but then they're they're going and actually doing a study on it too. So it doesn't make sense with the language that they use. And then they're, then they're like, wait, we still need to do this study. And also if you, again, go on full circle to the Jubilee debate, if you notice every single person in there said we don't, admitted that we don't have the research. Yeah, yes. That's what's crazy is we don't have the research. <laughs> and so, you know, we're, Again, this is nothing but an experiment. These kids are a a science experiment, which is so gross to say out loud, Uh, but that's Mm -hmm. the reality of it. And there needs to be, uh, obviously, I would love to see that research be done, but it needs to be done in a very controlled way. It needs to be done on a very small percentage of people um, who are obviously worst case scenarios. Um, And listen, I'm not smart enough to know how that looks or how how any of that plays out. But the idea that we are just willy nilly uh, medically, and that's what it seems like. Like, and maybe it's um, maybe mm-hmm. because of the way it's presented in the media, it seems more dire to me as an outsider. Um, but I think that if any, if one child is medically transitioned um, uh, without proper procedures, without I mean, I've heard stories where somebody's gone into a a gender affirming clinic, which that's a weird term to me anyway, uh, and had a meeting with some social worker for thirty minutes and walked out with HRT in thirty minutes. That's crazy. That is insane. That you yeah. can go in and thirty minutes later be walking out out with a prescription. That is insanity. And it feels like that's, um, I, I'm sure that that's not the case everywhere. I'm sure that there are some places that do it in a more legitimate way. And there's more, you know, a, a structured format to, um, you know, maybe some therapy sessions or whatever, but there needs to be a real conversation. And I feel like, as we mentioned earlier, this is just such an emotionally driven issue that there's a lot of like mudslinging and name calling and finger pointing. And because I'm on the left, at least that's where I'm lumped in the idea that I would dare to come out and say that kids shouldn't medically transition means I'm a bigot and I'm a transphobe and all of that stuff. And that just shut 
shuts down conversation. And that's very frustrating because we need to have these conversations. Like it's a thing that needs to happen. Um, but because of the way that it is approached and because of the um, incessant name calling and all of that stuff, um, which I know you deal with far more than I do, but um, uh, it's just very frustrating. And I feel like that happens in our political system in general on every issue all the time. Um, but this one's just very uh, frustrating for me because it involves kids and anything that involves kids, I get a little hyper about. So um, yeah, it's just, it sucks to see this because I feel like um, in the coming years, there's going to be a massive amount of fallout um, from this. And we're going to see more Chloe Coles. We're going to see more shapeshifters. We're going to see more people who um, are uh, uh, are unhappy with the way that they were treated and the way things played out for them. And that makes me very sad. So, um, okay. Unfortunately, Sarah, we're out of time. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. You're welcome back anytime, of course, obviously. Um, so of if course, you have anything... Yeah, any bills you're working on or anything like that, just hit me up and we will get you back on to talk those out. Um, okay, y'all, I'll be back tomorrow with Dave Benner from the Libertarian Party. Tune in for that 5 p.m. Eastern. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea's right after this here on today's News Talk.